Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. You know, I'm a big fan of chaos. Chaos is one of my favorite things towards the end of a Major League Baseball season. Unfortunately, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, decided with this new playoff format that he would take away chaos from us. And what I mean by that is, instead of one-game playoffs and three-way ties and four-way tie scenarios, and there'll have to be a playoff on Monday and a playoff on Tuesday, everything is now determined by tiebreakers. So my feelings have been hurt for the last two years. Like, there isn't chaos anymore. But then something happened on Thursday night at City Field. The umpires decided if Rob Manfred isn't going to give us chaos, we'll create chaos. Because in the top of the ninth inning, after the New York Met bullpen decided to very quickly blow a one nothing lead against the Miami Marlins, thank you very much, Anthony Kay. Thank you very much, Buck Showalter, for believing I got to go lefty-lefty. And it didn't work. The umpires in the top of the ninth inning in a rainstorm at City Field decided to stop the game. And just to be clear, that's when we're recording. They just stopped the game. Now, usually on Rico Bronio, we wait till the series is over, no matter what time of night it is or what time of day it is. And then right after, we record the podcast. But I said to Pete, I said, Pete, I looked at the weather forecast. They're not playing. They stopped the game. And by the way, if I'm wrong, you'll know I'm wrong. By the time you listen to this podcast, you'll say, hey, Evan, you got that weather thing wrong. And I usually do get the weather thing wrong. But the weather is so bad in New York. It's supposed to continue to rain for days at a time. So I believe that the umpires, by stopping the game, created chaos. Because if they don't pick up this game, if I'm right that this delay will last and last and last, If this game matters on Monday after the regular season is over, we're going to have to not restart the game, but pick up the game from the ninth inning with the Marlins up two to one. So imagine in any scenario possible where this game matters because the Marlins and the Cubbies are fighting for that last wild card spot. Not only would there have to be a game Monday, which is not complete lunacy. It's happened before, but you'd play Monday by starting it in the ninth inning of a two-to-one game. So, chaos. And and the best thing is because this final game is a crap show, like we saw with the the, the fact that you got Kay in there and to read Garrett. I mean, Phil Bickford was warming up. They had no one really to go to because yesterday's doubleheader, the bullpen was basically overused. If somehow the starting pitching goes deep and you don't use these relievers and you start this, go back and, and play this game on Monday, You've got a whole slate of guys you can go to if this game goes extra innings. That's true. But the problem is with these extra inning rules, even if it did go extra innings, the whole game's going to last 20 minutes. (laughs) They're going to make the Marlins come back to New York 
And who's going to this game, by the way? Like, if you oh. had tickets for Thursday night's game, are you going to go back on Monday afternoon for potentially 10 minutes? Like, I'm not even kidding you. The game could last 10 minutes. So, obviously, full transparency, we are recording this as they stopped the game. If somehow they restart the game, we apologize. This edition of Rico Bronio will not have any coverage of what the Mets did in the bottom of the ninth inning. So for all intents and purposes, the Mets are likely to lose this series whenever this game is resumed, if this game is resumed. Uh, But they did split the doubleheader on Wednesday. So we'll go through some of these games. There's a few things I want to get to. Francisco Lindor had a 30-30 season officially over the last couple of days. Does that still matter? And obviously the surprising injury to Jeff McNeil, which sort of came out of nowhere. As far as these games are concerned, I will start with the way this series was supposed to begin, and that was not with the umpire screwing it up because of the weather, but really the Mets screwing it up. And I I made my opinion very clear on the air a couple days ago on the fan where my issue was not with the grounds crew because I heard and certainly read and Steve Gelbs had a good report about why the field was so soaked, that it's actually normal a few days before a homestand begins, to not have the field covered by a tarp, even if it's raining. And then you've got a few days, it dries off, you get the field ready. Apparently, this is a normal thing. And who am I to judge? I'm no grounds crew expert. So I'm not even mad at the fact that the Mets had the field uncovered on Saturday. The forecast changed. It was a lot of rain. It never had time to dry. And so by the time they were trying to get that field ready for Tuesday night's game, they couldn't get it ready in time. I understand that. And the field conditions looked awful. And you want this game and these games, games that matter, to be played on safe field conditions. So I totally understand that. My biggest issue was the fact that the gates were opened. My biggest issue was if you can see at 5 o'clock, hey, we may have an issue with this field, then why bother trying to get the game in? That was my biggest problem. And then not communicating with your fans in the ballpark. And then to top it all off, an hour and a half later, you postpone the game. And then Steve Cohen tweets out an apology to the Marlins. F the Marlins. The apology is to the fans. You know, Steve, the customers that you raise ticket prices on. You know, the customers that showed up at City Field on a Tuesday night to watch the Mets take on the Marlins. Those are the people that deserved an apology. So it was a bad, bad way to start the series. Now, selfishly, I can't stand the Miami Marlins. Selfishly, I would like to see the Marlins miss the playoffs. So I get that the rainout and subsequent doubleheader affected the Marlins in a negative way. And that part's great. I celebrate that part. I've got no issue with that part. But I don't like the treatment of the fans. I don't like not knowing what's going on. And I certainly don't like even attempting to play this game. Now, could the Mets have made a deal, which actually would be pretty ironic considering what's happening right now, where they said to the Marlins, look, we get that a doubleheader is not fair. We get that it alters your rotation in a big way. So here's what we'll do. Single game on Wednesday, single game on Thursday. And if the game matters, which it's certainly looking like it will because of the Marlins-Cubs pennant race, we'll come back and we'll play game 162 on Monday. The Mets could have offered that. I understand the players would not be up for that because the players want to go home. Season ends Sunday, 6.30. They all want to leave. They don't want to have to play. Obviously, this rain situation changes that. 
So I could get why the Marlins would say, hey, could you do that? We don't think it's necessarily fair or ideal to have to have a doubleheader in the final week of the year. But I think that's a players association call. I think the Met players would have the right to say, no, thank you. But as far as screwing the Marlins is concerned, whatever. F them. I felt bad for the fans. That's the way I looked at it. And I also looked at this series as not that it's life and death, not that I'm losing sleep, especially over the way game three was going, blowing a one nothing lead in the ninth inning with Grant Hartwig and um, uh, Anthony Kay. But I want to beat the Marlins. I do. I, I was thinking about it. I, I, I want to beat them. They stuck it to us in 07. They stuck it to us in 2008. Like, yeah, I want to stick it to them. And right now they're in a flat-footed race with the Chicago Cubs. They're not that far off from the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Reds are only a game and a half behind. So it's a tight race, and the Mets have a chance to make a major impact. With that said, let's not forget, even coming into this series, the Mets had beaten the Marlins pretty good. Coming into this series, the Mets had won seven of 10 games against Miami. Now, a lot of that was earlier in the season. Remember, they played a lot earlier in the season, back when we were naive, back when we thought the Mets had a chance, back when we thought, oh, the Mets are beating up on the Marlins. Little did we know that standings-wise, it would be far different. So I don't ignore the fact that despite what may have happened in game two of the doubleheader and what certainly looks like it's happening in the finale of this three-game series against Miami, that overall in the season series, the Mets had a negative impact on the Miami Marlins. And I do appreciate that. They do play a doubleheader on Wednesday. I was planning on going to the second game. I did go to the second game. I was very nervous because I wanted to see Kodai Senga pitch. So I wasn't sure who gets game one, who gets game two. We saw Joey Lucchese get game one. And Joey pitched great. Look, of all the, the guys who have kind of entered this rotation, and I don't even know if I'd say they're battling for a spot in 2024 because I think a lot of that depends on how aggressive the Mets are in free agency and the trade market into adding to their starting pitching. But Luke Casey, David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Jose Budo, no doubt, they're, 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 they're something. I don't know if they're competing for a rotation spot or if it's to be the swing man out of the bullpen or trade bait, but all those guys are trying to prove something. And I think at times, Luke Casey's looked the best. And he looked very, very good in the opener of this doubleheader. Six innings, two runs. Pete Alonzo was tremendous, had a four for four day, which is nice to see considering how bad his slumps have been. Hit a home run, got the 46, 46 home runs, 117 RBIs. And Francisco Lindor made his push for 30-30. He came into this series sitting at 27 home runs. So certainly no lock to get those three home runs to get him to 30 and get him that 30-30 season. He had his 28th home run, and it was all around a nice, relaxing 11-2 victory. I was on the air at the time, so I'd glance up, I'd see Pete hit a home run, and I felt damn good. 